Hey, welcome back to the Proletarian Contrarian. My name's Nick. And I'm Lewis. And we have a treat for you today. We are we are uh, talking about the film Ghost Rider, released in 2007, um, starring Lewis's favorite comic book superhero. Hell yeah. <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Lewis, tell us about this travesty of a of a film (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh ghost rider is a story about uh a motorcycle stunt man named johnny blaze uh uh, played by nicholas cage uh one of the uh the greatest actors of our time that's true Uh, he uh sells his soul to the devil played by peter fonda and uh when Nicolas Cage, a.k.a. Johnny Blaze, is at the height of his uh, stunt fame, uh, Peter Fonda, uh, the devil Mistopheles, uh calls in a favor of Nicolas Cage, turning him into uh, his bounty hunter, demon ghost rider, uh, to uh, bring the devil's son, Blackheart, played by Wes Bentley, uh, back to hell. So, yeah. That's the plot of this film. <laughs> we'll elaborate on it uh, a little bit, which might not even help at this point. Yeah, it really won't help. Um, this is one of those awkward pre-Iron Man uh, Marvel films um, produced by four different producers, uh, producing studios, Marvel, Columbia Pictures, Crystal Sky Media, and Relative, Rel- Relativity Media. Um and it shows it's it was made during Marvel's kind of awkward adolescent period um, before they developed their house style, which, which we have our opinions about. I'm sure we'll get into later on the show at some point. But um, some of those pre Iron Man Marvel movies were good. Some of them, some of them were more creative and and distinctive, in our opinions, than the than the Marvel films later turned out to be. And some of them are not. And this is one. This is one that was not. This is one that was not. Uh, I think it's important to even specify that this was actually the last Marvel film of the adolescent period huh. before Iron Man came out. Uh, this was 2007. I don't remember the exact month when it was released, mm-hmm. but uh, this this was the film that came out right before the Iron Man film of 2008 came out. So this is kind of the swan song of the period. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what a... And, and what, what a, what a song it is. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I know you have a pretty, a pretty close relationship with Ghost Rider as, as a comic character. Um, yeah, we, we talk often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's your buddy. Um, but I when 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 we initially watched this film recently over the past weekend um for for some reason I, I could have sworn that you told me that you hadn't seen it which is really strange to me because I I know you were a huge fan in high school um and apparently there's there's some there's some interesting anecdote about that yeah so this film came out uh like at the height of my my ghostwriter obsession <laughs> I was a big fan of the 90s comics uh, which mm-hmm. were a different version of Ghost Rider. Actually, it was Dan Ketch Ghost Rider, who yeah. uh, has only been on screen once in the 2012 uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance sequel. And I have a story about that one. 
and we have we do have <laughs> yes. a about that one. But yeah, so this film came at the height of my obsession. Uh, I followed the production closely on their website. It was an era where was, that just became popular to follow a, a production of a film on their website. They would do updates weekly. And I just, I was, just, you know, just wrapped up in it. One week would be about the motorcycle. One week would be about, you know, the effects for Ghost Rider Skull. <laughs> um, so really, I realized that this movie was actually going to be total dog shit, though. <laughs> that was the start of start of darkness for your film criticism career. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, this is exactly the time when I, I, I you know, became more hard nosed critic. Uh, and this one really let me down. Uh, I had convinced about seven of my friends to see it with me. They had no idea who Ghost Rider was, <laughs> that we didn't care about any of the Marvel films uh, that had previously been released. Um, they had seen them, but they really had no you know, source material uh, frame of reference mm -hmm. for them. Uh, so, yeah, we're sitting in the movie, and it's fairly obvious from the beginning that this movie is is not something that any of us really wanted to be spending our friday night watching <laughs> uh, but my friend aaron who was sitting kind of in the middle of the row and this was a, a packed theater i mean sold out show for this film which was really surprising um Jesus, but my yeah. friend aaron yeah that's <laughs> i mean who would, have, who would have thought like that the ghost ghost writer in small town long island was going to be a sold out show i mean granted there's not much else to do yeah um, the odds the odds were a weird time <laughs> the odds were a really really strange time if ghost writer sells out a theater um but yeah my friend aaron uh maybe a quarter away through the film uh, he was he was very religious and he he just he just bolted out of his seat <laughs> started shaking all of our hands as he passed us by oh my and he said to each of us i have to go to church <laughs> like right then like run to church yeah that's what i <laughs> uh, i had no idea I, I, oh my god later, right when we graduated i had asked him about it and he was like yeah i did i did <laughs> go to church uh, like go to confession or no, well, I don't know the details there, but I think maybe an uh, an evening service. That's amazing. Uh, Christian denomination. <laughs> to go to church. Uh, he he later said, "Yeah, he was like, yeah, that I. It's not a proud moment of mine, but uh, he really felt that it was it was his duty to absolve his sins for watching this uh, very satanic film." Well, I definitely respect him more than um, you and the rest of your friends for sitting through this. Um, this <laughs> so yeah, cards on the table, um, here at ProCon, we, we do try to approach all of our films that we choose in good faith. And we, we, we really do try to pull stuff that we like from these movies. Um, and in, in, our, in the, in past episodes and in, in the past two episodes, we ended up really liking both of the, well, not really liking, but appreciating both of the movies to some degree. Um, I didn't like Ghost Rider. Um, I, I know, obviously, we, we just heard Lewis's thoughts on on his long and sordid history with this one, but I I did not enjoy this movie. Yeah, I I thought for some reason that I would be able to critically reevaluate it and 
you know, have maybe some more positive uh, things to say about it this time around. You know, as a teenager, I was definitely, you know, uh, wasn't the most astute critic. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, it's uh, (laughs) some of my exact thoughts as a teenager about this film hold up. I mean, it is, uh, yeah, it is, it's a, it's a slog. It's really, it is a slog. It, it goes absolutely nowhere. Um, and we were discussing this previously, although, yeah, some of the plot details make almost no sense. Uh, you know, this was before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think they had to do a lot more legwork to kind of get people to understand kind of the hero mythos, the superhero mythos. So I think that's why a lot of this film is clunky. Um, but still it doesn't excuse the, the level of clunkiness. Yeah. I mean, um, Marvel, Marvel studios in conjunction with, with whatever other studios had, had released daredevil, um, and Punisher and obviously Spider-Man before this one. And, and I guess Spider-Man is so, so ingrained in the popular culture that that one was kind of easy for them, but the other, the other movies, they're certainly not good either, but they're more competent than this movie was um, while still having to do that same legwork. So, yeah, I, I just think a lot of a lot of Ghost Rider's sins, um, just due to the batshit nature of the character, along with that have along with that um, that lack of pre setup, like like you were alluding to. Yeah, definitely. I think it is it is easier to explain even like a blind lawyer uh, becoming a vigilante more than it is, you know, this half person, half hellspawn, uh, spirit of vengeance, bounty hunter slash superhero. So, I mean, and that that was something that you had alluded to. You you, you rewatched the film before I watched it for the first time and um you had said that one of its major weaknesses is is the utter contradictory nature of like a, a, I don't know like four or five different um, themes or four or five different uh, tones that the movie tries to juggle because you've got like western you've got supernatural um, supernatural stuff going on you have this f- personal tragedy thing with with. Johnny Blaze and his father and his his girlfriend and you have um just, yeah that's the and that is the worst part and yeah. we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that later but yeah no you're right it's it is as we said in our first episode about Venom a lot of people thought that was a tonal mishmash uh, and we kind of debunked that I think if anybody was to say this this film Ghost Rider is a tonal mishmash I think that's hitting the nail right on the head it's it's just it's nonsensical and i understand why they tried to throw all this stuff at the at the wall to see what stuck but and none of that sticks honestly um well not much of it sticks because there were some aspects that we did like or we did appreciate to some degree which we'll get into but for the most part as a finished product this this movie kind of deserves its reputation which is is not great (laughs) even online yeah, I think um, we had also previously mentioned there were going to be films that we reviewed 
that we consider challenge mode. And I was not <laughs> expecting Ghost Rider, the 2007 Ghost Rider, to be our first challenge mode film. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it after maybe 10 minutes of the film, I, I, I realized this was this was going to be our first challenge mode. So oh, yeah. welcome to challenge mode, folks. When when I was digging up how I was going to watch this this movie, um, of course I would stumble across comments and, and articles and in decade a decade old articles actually. Um, <laughs> no one's writing about it right now. What? Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, people people e- even the target audience did not appreciate this. Um, and I, I did come across some comments that were that were of the, oh, the critics are, are crazy, the critics are snobby because this, this movie's rocks and is, is badass, but that shit's all either astroturfed, sh- like corporate show plants or, or just bot shit, you know? Yeah, it sounds like it because you had to actually watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yes, and- I paid for this movie. <laughs> I paid $4 <laughs> to watch. Uh, my, my streaming options at the moment are limited, so I, I did have to pay for... Um, for Ghost Rider, and I, I sure as shit paid for it. Yeah, you paid uh, the ultimate price, definitely. Uh, I am I, I lucky enough to have uh, the local library uh, put it on hold for me. So. But you got publicly shamed for renting this movie or borrowing this movie. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Uh, I had to rent another film at the <laughs> same. Nice. Or I should say, all transparency, I had my wife rent the film <laughs> me, uh, along with another uh, oh, holiday oh my God. film from the uh, from the 30s called Remember the Night. Uh, yeah, she <laughs> she works closer to the at uh, the library that uh, <laughs> that I did unfold, and I told her, oh, this is this is a great holiday film, and the the people who check you out at at the library will will think that yeah that's this person actually has uh high highbrow taste uh the thing must be for a, a nephew or something like that <laughs> it is it is for a fail son in her life um which, <laughs> which is yeah, that's funny. yeah so yeah um moving on to what we like what we yeah quote unquote like about this movie <laughs> it's it's a cool idea like i i personally get the appeal of the character he has a cool aesthetic he has a ridiculous over-the-top aesthetic he has a cool um backstory and everything and there's a kernel of a good idea in this movie um the idea that johnny blaze loses his father but in a way he becomes kind of a surrogate son to mephistopheles and has to fight the devil's legitimate son blackheart um who is the the west bentley character and it, it just, unfortunately, it just never gels and it never coalesces into anything um, greater than the bare bones description I just gave. Yeah, I think the biggest problem is that if they if they went at it from that framework as almost this, yeah, this this family drama, uh, maybe it would have been salvageable. But I honestly don't I don't know what their framework was. I, I think they were maybe trying to make this this superhero western film is the the most i can kind of glean from from what my eyeballs absorbed or tried to <laughs> absorb but um yeah like we said it just it's really it's nonsensical 
but I do, I do really like your idea of, of like this, this illegitimate son, Johnny blaze, like trying to, yeah, take down the devil's real son. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they, they didn't even see that when they were writing this film. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of just like, like retroactively assigned great, greater thought and value to the themes of this movie than, than they did when they were making it. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to have to do with our challenge mode films. Yeah, we can fuck it. I mean, death of the author. And if David S. Goyer, um, whatever he has to say about this shit, I'm, I'm sure that we have better ideas. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the director, Mark Steven Johnson, who, who also did the, the daredevil, uh, the the Ben Affleck Daredevil, hmm. I yeah I you know, I remember re- watching and reading interviews of his in in t- 2007. Oh jeez, in 2006 in the lead up and that again that's when I realized like this person has no idea what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> same with Nick Cage. I mean, it's funny because Nick Cage has a tattoo of Ghost Rider. Oh my god, on his like, bicep or something. Of course he does. <laughs> And I was like, it's it's totally because he likes skulls and flames. <laughs> Yo, Nick Cage, he looked really good in this movie. There, there's a shirtless scene, and like one of one of the one of the um, crew members that I was looking for, I was trying to find who his personal trainer was because like hmm. he, he he was in good shape for this movie, but um, yeah, but yeah, I couldn't find it. I don't know if it's just his 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 insane workout regimen or whatever. Yeah, I thought that too, that scene where he looks in the mirror and he's shirtless. Uh, I also thought, like, what an odd film to have this scene in. Yes. It's not like he's, like, a bare-knuckle boxer, vigilante type. Uh, he's, he's like, he's always in a leather jacket mm-hmm. with, like, you know, this absurd amount of CGI for every other inch of his body that's exposed. Um, so, I don't, yeah, I don't know why they put a scene where he's, he's shirtless for the character of ghost Rider. <laughs> i mean hey um i don't know demonic strength or or some weird shit who knows some weird shit yeah maybe that was like a deleted scene where he actually realizes hey man i'm jack now yeah it could be like the uh the peter parker realization scene, like like his version of that realization scene <laughs> from Raimi's movie <laughs> yeah a really pared down version of that he doesn't have to say it out loud he doesn't have to be <laughs> that shocking to him he's like yeah of course this one <laughs> he's like yeah he's like oh yeah shit I, oh of course yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah another another aspect of the of the movie that i appreciated although i guess this is more th- th- this applies more to the character than the movie the, the character as has been established in the comics um it, it's cool that johnny blaze and his his stuntman father um i forget his name whatever they're they're kind of they're working class people they're um they're just carnies and like they're they they're portrayed as pretty uneducated pretty pretty hard scrabble um but you that that kind of blue collar background um contrasts nicely with most of the other um marvel and dc heroes um even though you have like Peter Parker, who's who's who struggles a lot in life and in that kind of archetype for superheroes, um, Johnny Blaze and his dad are just carnies, and like they have to, I don't know, they they represent a segment of the population that doesn't really appear often in superhero media. Yeah, I really, I did think that was interesting. You know, the the first um, 
maybe 15 minutes of the film is a flashback. So we have a young Johnny Blaze with his father, who I think his name is Barton Blaze. Something like that. Something really stupid. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, so they're like working class. They even like, I think they live in like a trailer. Um, And then, you know, when they flash forward to Johnny Blaze as, as I, I don't know, maybe 30 year old, 40 year old. I'm not sure what they're going for. 50 even. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have no idea how old Nick Cage was at the time, but even then he's like still like living in his bus basically, or, you know, his tour bus. And then he lives in like this kind of like rundown, like garage apartment basically. Um, so I did think it was interesting having like this, this working class and like continuously working superhero basically who does, you know, a very unconventional job, uh, motorcycle stunt man. I mean, like you said, yeah, Peter Parker comes from a working class background. Um, you know, Daredevil does as well, but then they become scientists and lawyers respectively. Whereas like, yeah, John Hayes just continues to be a motorcycle stunt man. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's actually something that really struck me as odd um, for the for the setting of this movie because, I mean, I I am completely disconnected from motorcycle or, or stuntman culture, but I find it really difficult that um, in in the, the late aughts, like a, a motorcycle stuntman um, could sell out an entire arena for doing literally. <laughs> Literally one stunt, he just he just jumps far, um, and yeah. I mean that that's cool if it happened in real life, but there's no way he's like selling out like the the Houston Stadium or whatever. So I we should maybe talk about uh, maybe a little bit more about uh, the antagonist and all that. Sure, junk. sure, yeah the um, the good actors of this movie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Fonda plays the devil. He plays Mephistopheles and um, he's clearly phoning it, phoning it in, but I don't know. He he's, he's just always good in, when he shows up and, and gives half a shit. Um, I kind of thought it was neat that Fonda was in this motorcycle uh, driven movie. It was c- kind of a nice like nod to his, um, his appearance in easy rider. I thought, yeah, I can I can confirm from watching uh, hours and hours of uh, production videos <laughs> in, in 2007 that they were very conscious of. Oh their shit, position. they were. Yeah, they, are. Are. Yeah, they, okay. they, they hired him for because of that. Oh hell yeah, I um I kind of pulled that out of my ass, but I'm glad that you can confirm. No, I'm glad I'm glad you uh you made that connection <laughs> as, as a as not a not someone who who closely followed the production yeah. of, of this film. One, one of the literally every human beings besides probably 12 on earth that didn't pay attention to the shit when it was coming out. <laughs> um, That's fair. Also appearing is uh, Donald Logue um, as Mac, who is Johnny Blaze's um, sidekick. Yeah. He's like his manager, right? Or something? Like, I'm not really. Sure. Like, consigliere, MC, manager type, whatever. Um, he, he's, he's kind of a goof in the movie, but I, I've always had a soft spot for him. Um, 
he appeared in this this documentary about Jack Kerouac uh, called One Fast Mover, I'm Gone. And he actually, he, he seemed like he knew what he was talking about when it came to like beat literature. Just just a really weird and random uh, memory from my time in college that I, I happened to latch on to. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I've also I've always had kind of a soft spot for for Donald Logue ever since, and um, he's fine. He he's serviceable in this role. Yeah, it's he's kind of thankless. Um, probably as thankless. Well, not as thankless as Eva Mendez actually. Oh Jesus! As, as his as Johnny Blaze's love interest, um, Roxanne. Yeah, Roxanne. Um, but yeah, she they grew up together, and then. They, he can't be in love with her because he sold his soul to the devil, and then she becomes a news reporter. And, Just does a whole Lois Lane thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, yeah, may, is maybe in the movie for two minutes. It's, yeah, yeah. She she was such such a nothing role. Um, but someone who didn't have a nothing role was uh, Sam Elliott as the original Ghost Rider, um, Carter Slade. <laughs> And he, he, I don't get the sense that he was really trying all that hard either in this, in this movie, but he, he was good. He, he just, he's one of those, he's one of those actors that's always just solid. Yeah. He actually, so he's not only Carter Slade, uh, the original Ghost Rider, but he also does like the voiceover that bookends this movie. Yes. Yes. Um, in the voice of Carter Slade, of course. Uh, but he, I thought it was kind of like a weird nod to the Big Lebowski. Yes. Oh, I missed that. I didn't even think of that. It's it's so strange and it's nonsensical because <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Like you could really take out those bits of narration and the film would be the same, right. more or less. Um, they kind of just trod on that same. Oh my god. Uh, same few lines over and over again uh explaining yeah the MacGuffin of the movie which blackheart's trying to find it's like some contract of like the worst souls imaginable or something that were the contract of san venganza <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what venganza means but i bet it means like vengeance oh, or something really it, pro- it, it, it probably means nothing but it sounds like what a white guy thought vengeance would sound like in spanish yeah exactly that's probably more accurate they they did no research for this film at all um and it shows but yeah so blackheart played by west bentley of um american beauty fame Mm, he plays the devil's son blackheart um actual comic book character and towards the end of the movie he kind of looks a little bit like the the comic book character um, he gets like these glowing red eyes and kind of like these these spikes all he over. Look, his body. He looks like Nightcrawler. Yeah, he actually does kind of look like Nightcrawler uh, in the movie. In the comic books, not so much. It's a weird character to describe, really, and it would have been impossible to, you know, kind of do with 2007 CGI mm. and just make any sense of, honestly, um, without having to do even more legwork than this film does already. But. Um, yeah, so he's looking for the contract of San Viganza. Souls from some town. Uh, Ghost Rider has to stop him because if he gets the contract, he, I don't know, he rules the world or something. Well, if he gets a contract, he can absorb the damn souls within it to become Legion and become more powerful. 
Um, two other two other small bit characters or two other small bit actors that I enjoyed. Um, Rebel Wilson actually shows up in this movie. Um, she's <laughs> she's just some innocent bystander that uh, a mugger or, or like a rapist or, or whatever a criminal is is assaulting, and then Ghost Rider steps in and, and saves her. Um, and then she shows up again when Ava Mendez as Roxanne interviews her and she's like, Oh, he was this weird skeleton. He was like, he had this weird look, but like it really worked for him. And like, I don't know. It was, it was charming and and it was a fun little throwaway part. Yeah. She, yeah. She's kind of like dressed like a, like a hot topic teenager, (laughs) the target audience. Yeah, no, really. That's true. That is, I think the actual target audience. What was your line? You, you, you texted me about this film. Oh, um, yeah, the, the film is the cinematic equivalent of an Ed Hardy t-shirt worn over an affliction long sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to know, folks. You can actually stop listening at this yep. point. That's really the whole film. Cut, edit, done. <laughs> <laughs> Go to print. Um, but yeah, so Ghost Rider does some just random you know, supernatural stuff throughout. You get a sense of what his powers are and he has a cool motorcycle. Uh, he fights these three demons who have elemental powers. Um, it's not even worth mentioning like what elemental powers they have or their names, which oh, I can't I, remember. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Or like the actors who play them, there's really um, nothing, nothing burger roles. Yeah. Those, those demons are not memorable or interesting or, or remarkable in any way. Um, a very, very sharp contrast to Ghost Rider, who has so much visually and um, his powers are. There's a lot you can do with it. Not that this movie does anything, but it's it's there. <laughs> he's it, it's a cool concept. I mean, the, it, he's one of those legacy characters. Um, he, he's the second named one, I believe, and he he's kind of like the dad rock version of of ghost riders yeah. and, and therefore the lamest version of ghost rider um i mean we have carter slade who's a kind of a classic demonic cowboy and he's cool um we have danny ketch your favorite who's like more of a gutter punk version um i think the the modern contemporary version of ghost rider is robbie rees um and, and he's got kind of a latino hot rod in culture thing going on like his his vehicle um is a car is like a like a souped up lowrider or whatever which is a nice evolution from like horse motorcycle car it's it's kind of neat yeah the johnny blaze uh character in the comics he's he is a bit different i mean he's from this one he he started in the i think it was the late 60s early 70s he was created um so even before like gen xers uh came to be as a generation but uh around the time that this movie came out, they kind of retconned his image and his, his characterization in the comics to be, yeah, this like Gen X dad rock kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as Nick said, Dan catch, uh, is kind of my favorite. I've always had a, a soft spot for that ghost rider. Um, he was, you know, kind of the, the height of the, the nineties, like grim, dark comic books. Um, <laughs> it's when they, him his his leather jacket his you know that we see in this film actually because uh, the original Johnny Blaze uh, is is actually wearing motorcycles stuntman outfits kind of like Evil Knievel. Oh, um, okay. 
Yeah. So, uh, in the, the, uh, one of the, the greatest songs about Ghost Rider, actually, <laughs> yes. it may be the only song about Ghost Rider by the band Suicide. Um, they say, uh, looking so cute in his blue jumpsuit. <laughs> uh, a nod to the original Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider uh, costume. You played that song at your wedding, didn't you? I had my friend Kip play yes. that song at my wedding uh, on the piano. <laughs> uh, kind of while people were waiting for the the service to start in the church, um, he had to make it more of like an orchestral version. Oh however, uh, because it's I mean you can't really play that on piano (laughs) at all good incredible uh and it's you know techno uh 80s uh glory and we also did weren't able to put it in the in the program notes because we didn't want to put the word suicide (laughs) oh man in a a church too i mean it's it's a relevant uh location for that for that kind of uh song yeah it is um and that can kind of lead us to our, our um, something that we, we really did like about this film. Yes. Um, we did enjoy the locations of this film. Uh, it was, it's supposed to take place in Texas. Uh, I don't remember if Johnny Blaze is from Texas in the comics, but I'm fine with that retcon. Uh, it works, honestly. Uh, the Texas landscape and all that, the kind of like the, the widescreen photography and in, in some of the shots are kind of cool. Well, um, actually, that's um, mo- all of those um, exterior shots were shot somewhere in Australia. Um, when I was doing a little bit of of Wikipedia research for this movie, um, but yeah, that 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 is the Australian landscape, which looks very similar to the Texas landscape, actually. Yeah, they. I think. I mean, they shot so much of this film. I think, if not all of it, in Australia. <laughs> cool Um, yeah there's so like his outside of his apartment johnny blaze's apartment it looks like like a it looks like he he lives at like a railway depot basically yeah some kind of garage like converted garage space yeah it's really strange but they shot it like at this like it's like old train yard in in newport australia that like it's not a working train yard. It's mm. just where they bring like older locomotives. Ooh, the, um, the ghosts of the trains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the the failed version of Ghost Rider that uh, that Marvel never published, where he's actually a train conductor. <laughs> uh, another another one of the really nice uh, locations was Carter Slade Sam Elliott's uh, graveyard um, home. And he has a little kind of gothic looking chapel in the middle of the graveyard. Um, but apparently that was, I mean, it was another exterior shot. So it, it as well was filmed in Australia, the, the Melbourne general cemetery. Um, although your notes here say that technically it's a, a necropolis, which is a large um, cemetery with elaborate tomb monuments, which is very fitting for the character, but it looks really dope. Yeah, it's a really cool location, and I think what I love about the locations is that I think they did a lot of they did a lot of location scouting, and they really thought critically about what would aesthetically look pleasing and what would even thematically work uh, with the film. But mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's in service of just like garbage, <laughs> just yeah. garbage, just really yeah. really wasted locations. Um, 
for for what you know what time and effort went into scouting these places but if we ever find ourselves in melbourne um we have a cool necropolis and a cool church uh the saint mary star of the sea catholic church um to go check out because i don't know this this movie has value as like a as a promo tour guide for for melbourne apparently (laughs) yeah it's true it's worth it's worth going to melbourne folks for many reasons but uh you can do the ghost rider tour (laughs) there has to be one there, there, that, there had I, to have been one at one time. Say, yeah, at one time. I, I did find an article online about um, how, at that time, Melbourne was pretty popular to film at. Uh, and they they heavily featured the Ghost Rider film and locations in this article. But, uh, yeah, it was, it's just, it's just strange to think of, of all films and of all places. <laughs> fucking melbourne i mean hey good good for the local economy i guess uh, yeah i who knows yeah. who, who the fuck knows maybe people are really sick when they meet americans and americans say oh yeah like in ghost right <laughs> yeah that's literally the only thing we know about melbourne well it's, it's literally the only thing i know about melbourne now so who am i to talk <laughs> uh and there there were some other neat little touches in the movie by I'm sure that we're kind of stuck in there by random people in the production. Like um, whenever Ghost, whenever Ghost Rider himself would would like ride um, through the city or something, the heat from his from his Hellfire would melt random objects and the, the flames that would come out, like the, the trail of flames that would come out behind his his motorcycle, were pretty cool. Um, there's one scene when, where he's in prison and he he transforms from Johnny Blaze into Ghost Rider. And once he does, the sprinklers come on, which was a nice touch. I thought, um, nice little attention attention to detail. Yeah, I, I did notice that while watching it this time, especially like you said, when he he's you know rampaging through the town on his motorcycle and he's you know destroying the asphalt and the the parking meters are melting. Um, and I thought it was interesting that they also go back to that spot like maybe five minutes later in the film. Uh, when Roxanne is doing her news broadcasts and they right. show that like this kind of, you know, this, this destroyed landscape because of some kind of, you know, superhero event, like it still exists after that scene. Yeah. It, it, the character had, had a diegetic effect upon his setting, um, which, which fits in with his, his role as like this chaotic no holds barred demonic entity um so yeah thematically and that that little detail kind of ties into who he was and it it was a nice little touch that uh this movie quite frankly didn't deserve (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the the moments when we do get to see ghost rider in action they're they're pretty cool i mean you know his his health cycle is pretty dope yeah the the bike is is real they made it which was cool oh yeah yeah that's right um, I remember that from the production videos. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god, you you are the fucking perfect person, like to to talk about this right now. This is just who else watched those videos and remembers them? Uh, yeah, no, probably just me. <laughs> uh, I also remember around that same time because uh, I think it came out around. I think it was a fall release or 
maybe it was a, a summer release, but it uh, it it premiered after a, a large Comic Con, either um, San Diego or, or New York Comic Con. San San Vigenza Comic Con. <laughs> a comic con this devoted to ghost rider okay we're starting this after this episode uh donate to our patreon oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was at it was featured heavily you know uh this whole the movie production was featured heavily at this I, let's say i think it was san diego comic sure. and, uh yeah they had like they had all these you know amazing promo shots of the bike um and it's it's different than all the bikes in the comics for sure, but I think it's a really neat interpretation of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks cool. Um, it incorporates the chains and the the bones and the the, the hellfire motif. It's just complete. It's completely over the top excessive. It's like something from a meatloaf album cover, but it works. <laughs> um, yeah, and and speaking of riding around everywhere, there was a cool little interlude, literally a. 30 second 45 second shot of of johnny blaze and carter slade riding together um johnny on his bike carter on his his horse his flaming hell horse the two western and modern versions of this character as, as they ride through the night with flames spewing behind them um so cool in theory but it, it just did not work yeah the film didn't earn it is the problem yes. like yeah, the caretaker character, which is uh, Sam Elliott's character, you know, this this graveyard caretaker, when he finally reveals that he was a ghost rider, the Carter Slade ghost rider, you know, he, he, you know, he makes the, you know, stereotypical noise you make to call a horse to you, yes. this horse comes out of nowhere, you know, from this, the fog, this, this thicket of fog in the graveyard, uh, he, you know, he hops on top and he turns into, you know, this flaming skull uh, cowboy and his horse turns into, you know, a skeletal zombie-fied flaming uh, horse. And um, I was really, I was disappointed in this moment because this film is just like full of these really like cheesy puns about like fire and redemption and judgment and stuff. And uh, the moment when he turns into Carter Slade, Ghost Rider, uh, Johnny Blaze says Carter Slade, and then I, I don't even know if Sam Elliott says something, but I wanted him so badly to say "in the flesh." <laughs> but, oh, that, that's that's great! I didn't, even, I didn't, I didn't even think of that myself. That's that would have been good. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I just was having like a fever dream by the time <laughs> that happened in this film, and I was just like, "Oh, you should say that. That'd be great. There, That'd be amazing." There were one or two other like skeleton or or bone or skull puns, weren't there? Like, didn't Peter yeah. Fonda say something? I think he did. I didn't write those down, unfortunately. I think that was too early. That's how, that's how the forgettable film. they were. Yeah, it was just it. Was, they were more forgettable aspects of the like parts of the film sections of the film so i was just like i don't know i'm sure there'll be a thousand more of these buttons as we go along. but actually sp speaking of of cool things that were in the earlier section of the film didn't didn't you mention something about the way uh tv clips were incorporated yeah so uh in the beginning of the film johnny blaze before we ever see him turn to ghost rider there's kind of like these foreshadowing moments uh that like there's this you know this 
this demonic possession afoot. Um, he's at one scene when he's with Donald Logue's character in his tour bus, he's just like flipping through the TV channels uh, and he, he clicks on the next channel and it's the 1950s film night of the demon. Mm-hmm. It's actually like a, a close-up shot of the demon, you know, these, this older practical effect, uh, you know, kind of rubbery demon mask. Nice. Uh, and then, Later, when he's at his garage apartment, he's flipping through the channels of TV, which is like just watching TV is kind of a theme throughout the movie. He even at one point, like, <laughs> tells Roxanne, I watch a lot of TV. We'll, we'll get into his weird quirks in a moment, but, um, but, yeah. but finish, finish up with the, with the thing that he's watching. Yeah, so in, in his garage apartment, he's watching this like 20s Disney short uh, called like The Skeletal Dance. And it's, you've, everybody's probably seen it you know they use it in cartoons and commercials all the time but it's like these two headstones these two animated headstones and then two skeletal hands Mm -hmm. come over both of them and then you know a skull peeps out um from behind the headstones and uh yeah we don't see the rest of it but it's just like these 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 skulls and skeletons just dancing around it's in a lot it's in a lot of memes it's um like black and white cartoon animated skeletons. Um, but you, you had mentioned that this was kind of like a Joe Dante thing. Um, who's one of our favorites um, and who not, who's none of whose movies uh, will ever show up in this, will ever show up in this podcast because he is, he doesn't deserve that. But um, that, that kind of motif is something that he does in quite a few of his films. Yeah. It's uh, it's in the howling. Um, there's, there's a lot of, uh, TV. gremlins too i think yeah gremlins does it um he uses a lot of like old looney tunes merry melodies clips in his in his films uh his one of his first films piranha has has some clips as well um yeah i i don't know if that was like something that uh someone in the the crew was aware of but uh I thought it was it was it was neat to see, and it made me th- think like in the early stages of that film. This film, I'm like, maybe someone smart has something to do with this movie. <laughs> no, they were just predicting memes. That's it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Johnny Blaze in his um, his totally normal and totally relatable characterization. Go off on that. Yeah. So <laughs> um, we've we've discussed in the past two episodes. Um, fail sons and oh uh God. this film delivered well <laughs> he's he's really he's something of a fail son um i mean literally like he he fails as a son first Ooh, of all nice. like his dad dies because he sells his soul to save him uh but that doesn't work out because it never works out when you sell your when soul you to deal the with the devil uh, there's always, yeah there's always a caveat uh shocker but uh yeah so he has like a fail son haircut too. Like he has like this really like matted and like you know like pushed down flat black jet black hair. It's such a bad dye job. It's it's such a bad dye job. I really don't know what they were thinking. I bet that was like one of his decisions. He sure. was like, yeah. oh, this looks looks like helmet hair. This is what his hair would always. This be. is what Kal El's hair would look like if he was a Ghost Rider. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is obsessed with Superman. Just aside, yes, and his son is named Jor or Kal El. I don't know which one he named. Some his Kryptonian name. thing. Yeah, 
Um, but he also, I feel like this is also one of his decisions for Johnny Blaze to like have this like cane that he carries yes. around in a few scenes. It's like it has some kind of like diamond uh, topper, like crystal skull, and then it's just like, yo, is it a crystal it, skull? It, really? Sure. We're we're we're, 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 we're making up so much as we go along. It might as well be. <laughs> it's canonically now a crystal skull yes. everybody um then it's a white cane with just flames down the side it's really it's really absurd looking um and he almost never wears like actual clothes either he's just usually wearing some kind of like stuntman gear throughout the majority of the film and then of course his leather jacket mm-hmm. But yeah, there's really not a moment where he's doing something a normal human being would do. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's he he says he loves watching television and you see it like there's a good portion <laughs> of this time for Nicolas Cage where he's just watching there's, television in this There's movie. a solid 5 minutes of this big budget Hollywood blockbuster movie like showing Nicolas Cage watching monkeys on TV. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. He, he watches a karate monkey yes. for a second. He's like, I like the monkey. Then, I like the monkey. Yeah. And then I think like Donald Logue is flipping through the channels and he he comes on this like nature documentary about howler monkeys. Yes. Nicholas Cage just rattles off some facts he knows yes. about howler monkeys. It's 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 really just like Nicholas Cage you know portraying himself I imagine. yeah yeah this is he just wasn't even acting for this movie he was just he's just living his life yeah he just watches monkey documentaries in his well he doesn't live in his castle anymore but he he had like a castle he lived in for a while in keeping with the one of the main themes of our film our our film podcast is to is to recognize uh, the people who did something right in these <laughs> in these god awful films, uh, in the making of these these god awful films. Like we mentioned before, we really enjoyed uh, the locations, uh, the Australian locations um, that were used throughout this film. Uh, although they were uh, uh, serviced of something uh, lesser <laughs> than their very aesthetically pleasing uh locales um we have some people to credit for uh the the choosing and maintaining of these great locations um so russell boyd is one of the location managers uh jessica dart uh, a location assistant uh pia emery another location assistant john green location manager david hart location assistant uh, on the T unit. Um, I assume that means this, there's always different units uh, for filming. Mm. Um, they could have been off on a different location with a, with a different uh, director, even just doing, you know, some, some basic shots um, that they didn't need casting the majority of casting crew to be for, be there for. Um, and then there's Drew Rhodes, another location manager uh, and Tim Scott, uh, the the final location manager. Yeah, and um, another element that we enjoyed was um, actually you, you had picked up on this, but I, I am in complete agreement. Um, in in the Blazes uh, trailer or in their in their home and around the the carnival in which they work, there are a number of cool uh, kind of stunt posters, like vintage um, 
come see the amazing, incredible flying human cannonball kind of type uh, ads that they had collected um, that, that, that were just like part of their part of their aesthetic, which is really cool. And the graphic artist who um, worked on those was Wendy, Wendy Buick. So uh, kudos to Wendy. Um, and the final section that I really enjoyed, I'm just going to read it straight from Wikipedia. It was about the motorcycle. Um, the the hardtail chopper that they made called Grace um, turns into what they what the crew called the Hell Cycle. Um, Sony had apparently enlisted teams of animators, models, effects artists, uh, lighters, and flame artists um, at ImageWorks Studios, um, and there were a number of different production uh, department supervisors, uh, including Kevin Hudson, Brian Steiner, J.D. Cowles, Marco Marenghi. Joe Spadaro, Joanne Karnowski, Vincent Saratelia, and Patrick Whitting. Um, apologies if I mispronounce any of those, which I'm sure I did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that I can I can certainly attest to um, the challenge of making something on a budget and on a deadline, um, utilizing different departments and, and having to collaborate. That's that's really tough to do. And another. Um, Another name that's relevant here is our two names are effects producers Daniel Cohen and digital effects supervisor Kisuk Ken Han. Um, they made the best thing in this movie, which was the motorcycle. Yeah, no, really, it steals the show. <laughs> it does. Um, and without it, uh, I yeah, there would be a whole subset of people who'd have no interest in this movie if not for the chopper without it, this movie would just be ghost and it would be, um, Demi Moore and, and what's his name? Uh, Swayze. Yeah, Swayze. yeah, obviously yeah. <laughs> without, without something to ride, we'd just have ghost. There you go, folks, which, you know, probably, uh, if you're going to watch a film, go watch that <laughs> yes. one and skip ghost rider and skip the sequel as well. we, Maybe we'll do the sequel, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, which was released in 2012 oh, uh, in a later episode. But I, I don't know. After this, I think I'm all Ghost Rider now. Maybe as a special treat, uh, if we can, if we can get to some. I, I keep thinking of movies that deserve milestone episodes. Maybe, maybe that one could be a milestone because we have history with that movie, which we'll, which we can get into at a later point. Yeah, yeah, we'll save that for. Uh, we'll save that for the the milestone. We'll save that for. Uh, the special uh the patreon yes. uh, <laughs> sounds like a plan um so lewis who would you who would you recommend this film to uh you know for me and for people i know who would uh you know allow me to prattle on about this movie to them <laughs> uh, if they were like what should i watch this i would say well if you're a fan of nick cage and you're a fan of like his period where he really overacted um, the hell out of every role and kind of played himself, then <laughs> uh, yes, you should. That's, I would recommend this film to you. Um, and yeah, I guess people who are just Marvel completionists, yeah. like we said, it's the film right before Iron Man. Um, it doesn't tie into the Marvel Cinematic Universe at all. But um, I don't know, like if you have a, a bingo scorecard where you have to see every Marvel film. And... <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure there are people out there who do that. Oh, it's got, yeah, it's got to exist. 
What about you? Who would you recommend this film to, Nick? Well, I, I agree with the Marvel completionist thing. Um, I think if you're a big fan of the modern Marvel Cinematic Universe, it, it would be an interesting exercise to watch this movie as kind of a counterweight to um, the house style that Marvel did develop with, mm-hmm. with, with mm-hmm. literally their next film. Um, there's a lot of like contrast in terms of production and, and final product there that might be of academic interest to any Marvel Marvel MCU fans out there. Um, and yeah, the Nick Cage thing, like you said, he's he's Nick Cage in this movie as, as he always is. And um, anyone who's, who's really interested in depictions, kind of like more modern depictions of like medieval concepts of like demons and demonology and hell, because Johnny Blaze, he, he does read kind of traditional grimoire books and, and demonology books and that, that they touch on that a little bit and, and just the notion of um of using like the, these ancient kind of christian superstitious like superstitions and entities as as like superhero fodder i don't know i i, I kind of found that academically interesting but um in a bad way it's like how 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 not to do it um which i, I do think has value if if you're kind of a creator or if you're interested in 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 the artistic process i I think there is value to to viewing stuff that is shit so you can um better appreciate stuff that does it well so i don't know the other 12 people out there in the world that kind of fit that description i guess yeah no for sure i i I agree with that one a lot because um it's something ghost rider is a is a comic book character dear to my heart who i think of uh more often than most people (laughs) uh in the world probably in the galaxy uh but yeah i his his relationship with the supernatural and with you know demonology and and christian um mythology and is really interesting um and can be done well uh in i would say it's done best in the 90s uh dan ketch era uh comics and it's done poorly in every comic book after <laughs> that um i won't name names some of the comic creators but do better do better folks. step it up um go to church uh read the devils of loudon by atlas huxley and learn about hellfire for real yeah no that's do that <laughs> and don't watch yeah, do, do all that and do not watch this movie that we just spent an hour talking about all right well uh i think that is all for our uh our ghostwriter episode folks uh thanks for listening thank you very much see you next time 